So we, we talk about interests. What are you really trying to achieve? What are you really trying to get done? I always think about a guy who walks into a uh, hardware store and asks for a quarter-inch drill bit. You know, what, what does he want? Well, he wants quarter-inch holes. And he figured out how to get them is the, is the best way, is a quarter-inch drill bit. But I guarantee if you had a box of holes back behind the counter, he'd buy them. Because that's all he really wants. He wants it done. You know, that's all he really wants is a bunch of holes. All right, welcome to another episode of the Context to Contracts podcast. I am Brian Lovell, always here with the amazing John Jones. And today we have Mr. Steve Richmond and a very special guest hailing from Maryland, Mr. Jeff Cochran. Steve, why don't you tell us who uh, we got here today? We got the best. Bottom line, we got the best. We got Jeff Cochran. Jeff and I met probably about 2000, 2001. We were working for a place called the Shapiro Negotiations Institute guy named Ron Shapiro wrote a book, got it right here, called The Power of Nice. Ron says, hey, I need two of the best people to go out there and share the power of nice throughout the United States. Actually, it ended up being the world eventually. And Jeff and I were on stage together talking about, and, and I'll let uh, Jeff tell what the, the tagline to The Power of Nice is, but he and I were out there on the road together many, many miles, and... He's smart. He's a great communicator. He's a negotiation specialist. He's a really good person. And now he's a partner in the Shapiro Negotiations Institute. <laughs> and he's written a book or co-authored. He goes, I co-authored. He's going to reach up and pull that one up in front of him. There we persuade. go. Persuade. persuade. I'm, I'm hoping I can persuade him to send one of those books to me. We'll have to see how that works well, out. He, by the he end accused you earlier, Steve, so, of even reading the book that apparently you were pitching all over the right. country. Yeah. But what's really pretty funny is, and it's bent right here, because when I picked this one up off the shelf, and you can see, it, it was tucked in. like it, So it had it right there. So I there knew a page I was on. Anyway, so this is Jeff from Baltimore, Maryland. Jeff, how you doing? Great to see you again. I'm doing great, Steve. Thank you all for having me. You know, the, the, this is, uh, I love talking about uh, negotiations, deals, persuasion. Uh, I've spent 21 years in the industry, wow. go, traveling all over, talking to folks about uh, how they can negotiate and persuade and influence better. Um, and, you know, it's been well received all over the world. Uh, the funny thing is, my house is a shambles. I can't get my kids to do anything. Uh, my wife laughs at me. You know, she often says, about right. you know, it's a good thing. It's a good thing you like talking about this stuff because you're horrible at it. And part of the reason I know. And part of the reason I'm horrible is because no matter how much knowledge you have, you got to implement it. You know, so I'm one of those people who likes to be loved. You know, so our, my hobby is I have a little uh, hobby farm that I run with my wife and people show up and they go, uh, uh, would you take a uh, hundred bucks? And I'll say, mm, that seems a little high. Look, I don't <laughs> want you to be, you know, I'll take, I'll take 90 and let's just have you walk away feeling good, uh, which is counter to everything in the book. So, you know. It's implementation that's key. 
Now you know why I'm such good friends with Jeff, and we've maintained that relationship over time because he always <laughs> makes me feel good about myself. Now, yeah, yeah. Well, so, that's your gift too, Steve. So, so uh, you're a got, giver. We got the power of nice, and that's yes. a negotiations book, right? Yes. What's what's the tagline on that? You know that. The, I mean, I'm throwing the power of nice. The best way to get what you want is to help them get what they want. Yep. Now, win-win. That doesn't mean you just give it away, uh, but if you can figure out how to give them something that that costs you very little, but has a tremendous value to the other side, that's a win-win negotiation. And even though it's a great like uh, overused expression and cliche. Uh, it's what we're all shooting for. And then you flip that, did that for a while, and now the, the second logical expression of that's this book, Persuade, right? I mean, we say, okay, so sometimes it might not feel like a negotiation, but you're still trying to figure out how to get what you want. I'm, I'm guessing that's how the, the Persuade Yeah, abs- absolutely. Because uh, I think of Persuade as like uh, the power of Nice's little brother. You know, Persuasion... Okay is negotiation's little weaker brother. Uh, negotiation is I have something and you need it. Uh, so, you know, let's get together, let's figure out. Uh, persuasion is more, you know what? I'm not sure that I have anything for you, but I need you to take certain actions. So how do I get you to do that? So, you know, we started looking around for a model for persuasion. You know, our model for uh, negotiation is the three P's, prepare, probe, propose. Preparation, find out as much as you can, find the comparables, Uh, probe, ask the questions, find out what it is that they really want, not just, just what they say they want, and then finally make a proposal that's a logical culmination of those first two. Well, when we moved over to persuade, we started looking for a model. Did we have to create a model or did one already exist? Well, fortunately, in some of our, some of our studies, uh, we stumbled onto uh, Aristotle's model for persuasion. Aristotle, the great Greek philosopher and teacher. So, you know, we took that model and his model was, look, you cannot persuade anyone unless you've developed your own personal credibility. Okay. Or borrowed the credibility from an expert. Somebody else, yeah. So the first building block is build build credibility. Then he talked about, you know what? People make decisions emotionally. 100%. So you yeah. have to engage their mo- emotions. The third step is after you've built your credibility, after you've engaged their emotion, it's only then that you can introduce your logic. Because people don't care about your logic unless they believe you, trust you, and you've engaged them emotionally. Well, when we talk about logic, uh, you know, we talk about mm, comparables. We talk about, uh, um, you know, peer pressure. We talk about social proof, you know, all of those things. Now, one element that Aristotle didn't have in his model, because I don't think he had a sales quota. Uh, we, you know, we added this little tidbit, which is facilitate action. And that's the one that fascinates me. What are some things you can do to get people 
to conform or to do what you want them to do. And I just want to give you a quick example. Uh, we talk about uh, persuasion as opposed to persuasion, persuasion or priming. And that's something as simple as we did some experiments. We, we had some people go out to the street and ask the question, uh, would you please, would you mind taking a survey? 29% of the people said, yeah, I'll take a survey. Well, that's not bad. Those are nice folks, but we wanted to do better. So we changed the question to, are you a helpful, do you consider yourself a helpful person? Well, sure I do. Would you mind helping me with a survey? <laughs> the numbers went up to 77.9%. Wow. Yeah. Just with that element of persuasion. Put the pressure back on So, me. you know, it, <laughs> it's interesting how many things are influencing our decisions every day that we're not always aware of. Persuade uh, is an attempt to put those tools in everybody's hand so that they're all aware of them and ready to use them when it's time to get. Now, here's another thing. What's the difference between persuade uh, and manipulate? There's not a lot right. except intent. Yes. So in our book, we talk, uh, the first chapter is about, look, you know, you can use, basically the message is you can use these tools for good or evil, hopefully for good. good. Which, and it's interesting how you talk about how important the language is and the persuasion and the persuasion and that we hear it all the time in the mortgage and the real estate business. What's your rate? What's your rate? Is it a negotiation? Maybe it's a negotiation. <coughs> it's definitely a persuasion that they're peanut butter and jelly, right? Yeah. They're going to go together. Hey, this is sure. the listing price on the house. I'm in the process of doing what? I just, I'm in the process. We just bought a house last week. We're trying to sell our house. That happens next week. Is it all about the dollar that's coming in? That's a piece of it, but we find out all that other stuff. Okay. Yeah. Well, what's your, what's your timeline? When do you need to have this happen? What about the inspection? How about repairs? There's all this other stuff that happens. So I think there's a quick concept or quick mindset that happens in a lot of people's brains of I mean, it's almost like the Heisman. This isn't a negotiation. What's your rate? We're not, we're not going back and forth. I don't want a relationship, but it, it is more than that, than just simply the, the number. Cause if that's what it was, that's just going to the grocery store and saying, okay, I'll just go buy a bag of Oreos and you're done. Yeah, sure. But it's even more than Oreos because now which grocery store did you go to and why did you do the Oreos, not the Chips Ahoy, right? So there's the persuasion because they have, where's it going to be on the shelf? How high, how low, is it, is it on the end of the aisle, whatever. And that's why I wanted to bring Mr. Cochran in here today because he deals with this stuff every day of his life and we have talked about it. So that being said, I'm going to throw it back over to Brian and John just for a little bit to try pick Jeff's brain because it, there's a lot to get at right there. So I'm, I'm going to back off for a second and say, okay, we're in the negotiation persuasion realm. We're in the mortgage and real estate markets. Where do we want to go with it, fellas? Yeah, I, I think Steve, you kind of started down that road and, you know, being that you're going through the process of selling your house and buying a house. And I think the the, the first question is like, is, is buying a house really a negotiation? John, what do you think before you throw it over to Jeff? Because if you say no, it's going to be a really short podcast. Of course, it's going to be a negotiation. I mean, you want to get the best price you, you know that you can get on the new house, you know. But um, 
So, I mean, you, you're going to build, you know, you're going to go off the trust that the realtor partner, hopefully, that you're working with and, uh, and and what they value the, you know, that property to be worth and then make a decision so, together. But, okay. But in today's market right now, we're seeing homes sell for record prices over ask, right? There's, there's no negotiation in there that right now, the person in, in most market, cases yeah. in this market who's winning Seller. is winning because Seller. they offered the most. Au contraire, mon frère. <laughs> we'll talk to you. Tell, tell us. I'll throw it back over to Jeff because, as I said, I did this with him. Jeff, go through the three P's because he already said one of the P's is sitting right there, right? It's all it's got to be what the, the price is and how we find that. So, so is preparation important when you're walking into a, a buying a home? Yeah, preparation is critical. I mean, you have to go in. Uh, we talk about the preparation, and our acronym for preparation is PAID. Precedents, alternatives, interests, and deadlines. Well, you look at precedents in your industry is, you know, what 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 precedents are there? Uh, precedents are, you know, comparables. Precedents are right now the market's red hot if you're a seller. You know, so we've looked at all those precedents. Alternatives. You know, buying a home is a very emotional decision. Very much. So, you know, somebody walks in and says, Oh my God, this is the home for me. Well, great. Let me tell you what it's going to take to make sure you get it. You're not paying $20,000 over ask because you think it's worth it. You're paying the $20,000 as a premium to guarantee <laughs> that you get it. Yep. You know, so if you look at that as a, uh, uh, you know, a guarantee of certainty to close, you know, maybe $20,000 is a good number. Maybe it isn't. What's your interest? What is it about this house that, that, that makes you so excited? You know, could you potentially get another house and remodel it? You know, so what's the real interest? And then, of course, what's the deadline? Tick, 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 tick. Nobody knows the deadline because you know what? I don't know if there's somebody down at the end of the driveway who's going to drive in and give a higher offer even than mine. <laughs> yeah. You know, so we don't know what the deadline is. The deadline's very fluid. But I think it's interesting. The people who say, look, I don't want a negotiator. This is not a negotiation. Sure it is. It's just a really short one. You know, we, we've skipped steps one and two, which is preparation and probing. You know, why do you want it? What do you find attractive about it? And we've jumped immediately to the proposal. And we throw a number out there uh, and hope it sticks. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that we try to do with a process is mm, make it a little more systematic uh, than it is just what a lot of folks do now. It's a very emotional decision everywhere. Even the mortgage folks are, you know, there's a cowboy element. You know, you got a lot of people in this going, hey, this is, the, man, this is a crazy market. You know, my strategy is, you know, get, take it down to the, to the bone, but do as many deals as possible. Mm -hmm. I'm the mortgage king sure. of Eastern Louisiana. Yeah. You know, well, how much did you make? Not a lot. Yep. But I moved, gave you know, I gave a lot of mortgages. Yep. Gave it away. You know. Uh, well, so, Jeff, I, I like when you said, you know, a guarantee to close. It's just because I went through this whole, I'm in the process of going through this sure. process. It, it didn't just look at, hey, what's the offer to buy your house? It was, is this person a cash buyer? How much money are they putting down? Uh, what are the interests? Are they want to make repairs? Because, you know, even though that's the dollar sign at the end, 
right now I'm going to be paying more money because if I have to make more repairs, that's going to be money coming out of my sure. pocket. I had one sure. person come in. It's really neat. They, I don't know if you all know this, but only, we had reviews. So anybody that comes in and they get to type in like, hi, I have an appointment at this time. And then they can look for a review of what they thought of the house. Okay. And this one person types in, loved it, beautiful, great kitchen, well-maintained. Are you interested in buying the house? No. Didn't, yeah. like, the ba- didn't like the backyard, right? They love the house. <laughs> they didn't like the backyard. So we always say it's all about that money. It's not just about that money. No. And that's where I think the probing, you got to hear what these interests are of these people to what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. But I think, too, to your You've point, got to ask. Yeah, I think to you, you, the point before that, too, we were talking about the preparation. I think here's a win or a takeaway if you're a real estate agent watching this right now is that preparation piece. If you're listing a home for sale, having a home that is more marketable than another is certainly very important. Right. And so, like, Steve, you just shared with us some of the feedback you got on the home that you listed for sale is that was well maintained. Right. I think that there is a certain seller in the market right now who's just like, hey, everything's going for top dollar. I'm listing as is. Right. But again, 20 percent overvalue. You, you know, you could list a home in the on the same street that's better maintained. You know that when in a, in a frenzy of the market where people are offering over ask that home that's better prepared for sale is going to go under contract first and possibly if I'm trying to decide between similar houses, I'll ask more over ask for this one than I will for this one over here. Goes back to Jeff. What did he say? There's four steps to persuasion, right? What's the first one? You got to get credibility. You walk in a house, somebody took care of the house. You go, okay, I'm not gonna have huge problems later on in life. You say, oh my gosh, they treated this house like a tent, right? An old Jimmy Buffett song. I treat my body like a temple. You treat yours like a tent. You see somebody that didn't take care of their house at all. What are you going to say? Well, I'm sure something else is going to break in it tomorrow. Why would I want to go do that? And it is emotional, right? I mean, that's our second one. You got to engage them on that motion. Am I right on that, Jeff? Or, or where are we coming out? I want to get this about you. A- absolutely. You know, you build your own personal credibility, the, the appearance of the house, the first thing, the curb appeal. People decide whether you're a, a good owner or a bad owner, and they make their decision uh, partially on that. The emotional. You know the backyard. Sometimes we can't, uh, you know, we can't, you know, we can't make the backyard bigger. Uh, but you know, there are some things we can do to increase the appeal if we know it's the backyard. Uh, but also the logic. You know, the, I've seen uh, in our area there's a lot of pieces of uh, property that are up for sale, and you know, logically, look, this is a relatively, you know, small lot. The lot next door is also available. So let me appeal to the logic, which is you can always buy more, you know, if it's available. And then, of course, to facilitate action, you know, uh, um, as we go through this, you know, they, I don't think any real estate agent's going to be surprised by this, but start to get the positive responses. Hey, what do you think of that kitchen? Oh, I love it. Well, you know, what do you think of the, the uh, downstairs? Love it. You know, how about this entryway? Oh, I love it. You know, get the small yeses so that potentially, look, yep. the backyard, I don't love it, but I love everything else, and it overcomes the backyard. Yeah, checks nine yes. out you know, of it's 10 a boxes. trade-off. Yep. 
Well, I mean, I think in, in normal times, a lot of these points are great, but in today's market, I think that we're, it's, it's so unique that, I, I mean, it seems like in, in our state here in Florida, where Brian and I are located, I mean, as quickly as you're putting a home for sale, there's multiple offers on that property, uh, well over asking, um, regardless of condition. So it's be, it's just, it, you almost have to act. The, the emotion is to, you've, you've got you've to buy something in many cases that you might not love. Mm. And, and my, my question is, if you're a buyer's agent working with those people and you know what checks their boxes, I think you still have to remind yourself that you, you've got to also persuade the buyer that this house might not meet the criteria. They're getting a little, um, we're seeing people get desperate. Well, I think not just that, but you're also seeing them get out. fatigued. Like, yeah. hey, I've made offers on nine homes. I've been rejected on nine homes. I've been looking for houses for weeks. Hey, you know what, Mr. And Mrs. Agent, maybe this just isn't the right time for me. So I'm thinking from the perspective of how do I persuade that buyer to stay in the game? We're going to find something. Sure. You know, and, and I think a lot of times it's uh, one of the things we talk about is walk through the details. Um, look, you know, it, it, on the greater scheme of things, what's the average amount of time somebody owns a home? You know, it's measured in years. Mm -hmm. uh, and yet people are sitting there talking about measuring, you know, how long it's taken them to find a home. And they're talking in weeks. I've put in nine offers and they've all been rejected. Maybe I'm going to drop out. Well, now, wait a second. You know, th this is a marathon. This is not a sprint. Uh, and I mean, I know that might scare you a little bit, but I mean, you know, we, we, it, if you're going to invest... Do you think it's too much to invest another nine weeks? Let's say it takes double where we are right now. Is nine weeks too much to invest to find a home that you may raise your children in and live in for 10 years? I mean, and again, so it's appealing to that emotion, emotion. Uh, because we've already established the credibility. Let's put some emotion into it and, and some logic. Do the math. Look, uh, you were rejected nine times uh, because you know what? Right now, the market's uh, unreasonable. It's crazy. But Which even within precedent. those. It, and, and it, it yes, potentially it, is it, freezing out some first time home buyers that have little to no down payment that are sure. in the position. You know, if they're they're looking at homes, maybe starter homes that are 300. Sure. Let's just use a number and offers are coming in typically at 340 and 360 where they don't have the funds when the appraisal comes back at three, three, ten yeah. to make that deal work. So for those, there's a big segment that that's, you know, they, they potentially would have to put pause on until we see some inventory free up a little bit, yeah. you know, in specific states, namely here in Florida. Um, you know, how do, how do you work with buyers like that? And, and, and how do you counsel them? You know, when you're, when you continue to lose out potentially on a low down payment, you know, type of borrower that has great credit and, and, you know, in a normal market would be able to get a, an offer accepted. Mm -hmm. it, well, it, some of it is your, you know, your credibility as somebody who's been in the industry for how long? You know, you know that the market's going to turn. Correct. Uh, so, you know, in some cases, look, we talk about credibility is built. One of the quickest ways to build credibility is our statements against self-interest. Well, you, you know, the realtor's self-interest is to do a house. deal, any deal. Right. You know, because but they build their credibility by sharing things that uh, look, maybe now isn't the best time for you as a first time buyer. I tell you what, let's develop a strategy 
where I'm going to keep looking for you, but you know, you're going to kind of back off a little bit. I'm only going to call you if I think we can win. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to advise you to jump into the market and come in too high. I'm going to ask you to look, uh, time out. Uh, let's take a little time out and regroup and see if we can't, uh, wait out the market. Hey, Jeff, one of the things that I see on just kind of the notes we put together here was, you know, you talk about demonstrating logic. And, mm -hmm. you know, one of the things I think to maybe answer your question here a little bit, John, is in our business, there's a cost of waiting to buy as well. Right. And so the sure. factors that go into that is, hey, is appreciation going to continue to go up? Rental properties, landlords are going to increase rents by 10 percent nationally over the next 12 months. Home values are supposed to increase 6% nationally over the next 12 months. So do you want to jump in and, and continue to rent and, and have that potentially escalate? Or is it now the time to yeah. really dig in and buy a home? Yeah. So I, I think, you know, I, I mean, those are all things that you have to help them make a logical decision right. on by sharing some facts. To Jeff's point, having some credibility. So, you know, if appreciation is going to continue to go up, that means you're gonna pay more for the home the longer that you wait, which also means your down payment is gonna be higher the longer that you wait, which also means now your monthly payment is gonna be higher the longer you wait, which now also means you lost out on appreciation. Most people, their largest asset is their home. Correct. Right. Yeah. So the longer they wait to buy a home, they're losing out on any number of things. Plus, the other thing we we don't know and we can't control is interest what's rates. gonna happen yeah. with interest rates, yeah. right? Interest rates could go up, they could go down. Now, one of the reasons that home affordability is still at an all-time low is because of interest rates, right? Prices are going up pretty quickly, but interest rates have stayed down, and that's why homeowners are still able to afford homes. So I think, you know, Jeff, you know, in, in the point of demonstrate logic, I think the, is that like an accurate representation of the things that you want to talk to somebody about who may be getting that fatigue? Yeah, absolutely. You want to make sure that they understand uh, the numbers, you know, again, because people make most decisions emotionally. Well, but sometimes giving them the numbers strips out the emotion or, you know, it guides their emotion. Sure. Everybody loves to get a deal. You know, as soon as you said that uh, rents are going up by 10%, but homeowners, uh, home values are going up by six, all of a sudden I'm looking at the market going, well, I'm the smartest guy in the room if I run out and buy a house right now. Correct. Uh, you know, or, or buy a house that has rental property attached to it. Uh, because, you know, and so I have the emotional. Look, one of the emotions we tap into you know, to quote old Charlie Sheehan, uh, you know, winning, uh, people love to win. You got some you know, tiger so blood, you, Jeff? <laughs> yeah, get, get that tiger blood in there and start winning. Well, you know, some of the numbers you were throwing around makes me feel like a winner. You know, or so can make you yeah. feel like a loser, right? Right. Because right. yeah. if you flip it, flip it just for one second. Well, I want to talk about rate. I want to talk about rate. Well, hold on a second. Do you really need, you want to negotiate the rate? You got to get in the house before you're going to worry about the rate. Mm -hmm. If you sure. look at, if you look on a $200,000 loan amount, an eighth of a point, 
is a whopping $3 a week. Cup of coffee. So if you're saying, I'm, I'm not going to do this because of an eighth of a point, what are you negotiating? But I love yet, it. if you raise your bid to $2,000 and you're able to get that house, how much does that add to your payment? Virtually nothing. So, I mean, you, you know, we all talk about this rate and this number, but you're talking rate, I'm talking payment, and all of a sudden now it's logical because this is what's best for me. I think the message right now is if you're a home buyer, you want to be persistent and buy a home. And one of the reasons why it's so difficult, the low inventory. I mean, we know we have just over a million homes for sale in the United States. In 2007, at our peak, we had three and a half million homes for sale. Mm -hmm. Currently, we have 13 million more households. So it's, it's a supply and demand problem, and that's not going to stop in the next five to seven years. Yeah, except I was broke in 2007. We don't want to go back to that for sure. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but it's just low, low inventory. I mean, so so the home prices yeah. are going to hold stable, and people that are out there thinking this might be a bubble, yep. a lot of talk about 2006 and seven. Are we at that point? I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. But we could talk. That's back to the credibility and the logic. Are we at that point? And I can tell you why. I don't think we are. But what I think that we haven't talked about enough yet today is interest because we keep looking at how much how much how much jeff tell us a little bit about asking the good questions waiting for the right answer listening to those keywords i was sharing with brian the other day when we were talking about you the old egg scenario that, that we used to do as a uh, simulation that was out there if you recall i'm sure you recall that one i don't know if you still do it but Give us a little bit about identifying interests and how it may or may not just be about money. Can I ask you for that? Yeah, sure. You know, I mean, people, again, we were talking uh, you know, about your, your situation, Steve. You own a house, you're buying a house. Um, you know, it, one of the quick questions you need to ask someone in that position is, what's your risk tolerance? Uh, you know, to, because I mean, owning two houses, are you okay if you have two mortgages for a little while? Uh, you know, are you willing to hold out or are you very risk averse where, you know what? No, I have to sell the first house before I buy the second house. So we, we talk about interests. What are you really trying to achieve? What are you really trying to get done? I always think about a guy who walks into a uh, hardware store and asks for a quarter inch drill bit. You know, what, what does he want? Well, he wants quarter-inch holes. And he figured out how to get them is the, is the best way is a quarter-inch drill bit. But I guarantee if you had a box of holes back behind the counter, he'd buy them. Because that's all he really wants. He wants it done. You know, that's all he really wants is a bunch of holes. You know, so, I mean, look, or, or maybe, maybe you don't have holes to sell them. But, you know, maybe he wants quarter-inch holes in a uh, uh, piece of balsa wood, and you can sell him a, a hole punch that'll give him the exact same thing. So, you know, the guy wants holes, he doesn't want drill bits. Nobody gets home and goes, hey, look at this drill bit. You know, I, I mean, nobody's, nobody's showing that off. Yeah. They have it because it's a tool to get what they want. Well, the interesting thing is money is a lot like that drill bit. What are you gonna do with it? Look, I, I want all the money in the world so that, uh, you know what, I can, uh, uh, I don't know, build a fence and get some privacy. Okay, well, if what if we found you a property that had privacy already? 
I mean, you don't need the money to build the fence. You pay a little bit more for a property that has privacy. Yeah. You know, so can we ask those key questions to find out what is it that they really want? I know what they say they want. I want a lower rate. You know, I want to shave a couple of points off my, a couple of basis points off my mortgage. And I love what Steve turns it around and says, yeah, three bucks a month. You know, I mean, is that worth missing out on? Uh, because I'm sitting there going, yeah, I know the thing to do is to get the lowest number. Well, maybe we change it. Would it be worth three bucks a month to get the, the property? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think interests are the key. What are you really after? And how do I help you get there? Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right there, Jeff. And like on the on the interest rate conversation, I think, you know, we went through this period last year in 2020 where we refinanced people like it was at a rapid clip. It, it was so much of a frenzy. I think people were refinancing because there was FOMO. Well, my neighbor got this rate and my neighbor got that rate and my neighbor got this rate over here. Then at the end of the day, maybe Jeff, to your point, the lowest interest rate wasn't what really mattered to them most. Right. And we don't oftentimes ask enough questions to be able to show them everything that is available. Right. So like as an example, on our business, if you want to do a cash out refinance, that interest rate is always to going to be higher than just a rate and term refinance. But if you had FOMO from all of your neighbors refinancing and they got this and this person got that and this person got this and and you came to the LO and said, hey, I want to refinance my I heard my neighbor got three and a quarter. OK, I can do that for you. Right. But mm -hmm. what you didn't really ask was what's the reason? What's the reason? You know, and, and what else is going on in your life where I might be able to say to somebody, hey, why don't we get rid of some of this 22% interest credit card debt? We do a cash out refinance. We get you out of that. At the end of the day, if the rate was a little bit higher, but instead of saving you $100 a month on your mortgage, I saved you $90 a month on your mortgage and $500 a month on your credit card payments, is that of interest to you? And a lot of times we don't get to that. Sure, sure. You know, uh, one of the things, look, uh, being an expert in your field, you just assume everybody knows what you know. That's true. You know, so, I mean, you look at it and you go, well, of course, everybody knows that, uh, you know, that much movement on a mortgage is 3% a month. Yeah, well, most people don't because you're the expert. Uh, and that can be a challenge sometimes. We don't ask enough questions because there's two ways it could go. We sound like a know-it-all. Let me tell you. Rah, 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 rah. Or, uh, you know, to, we don't ask questions because we don't want to look like we don't know. Or we don't want to ask a question that we don't know the answer to. You know, Steve's an attorney. He knows you don't ask if you don't know the answer uh, or no, pretty sure where it's going to go. Or maybe you don't uh, want to know the answer. <laughs> or don't want to know. That's the scary Why part. Why is that trunk so big? Yeah. Not more like that as somebody who's going through the process right now. I mean, I know Jeff. Jeff grew up on a farm. Jeff is a handy guy. I know Matt. I mean, look at me. I can't hang a picture, right? So I've been in this house for 19 years. You know what was really important to me? 
somebody who wasn't going to make me do repairs because any repair that was going to have to be done on my house, I'm going to have to pay, pay for, for a it. contractor to do. Yeah. I can't do it on myself. So if somebody comes in and says, hey, I'm willing to, it's a 20 year old house, I'm willing to come in a little bit less, but no repairs versus the opposite, guess what? Sure. I'm gonna go with a little bit less with the no repairs because that's gonna end up costing me. Yep. So depending on, or the opposite, when Jeff's coming in, he goes, I can make repairs. I, I, I look at that deck out there, <laughs> that'll be a Saturday afternoon and a Piece good time. Cake, yep. have some buddies over and we're good. So you, we have to look at those true interests that are out there. Yeah, yeah, good point. Jeff. We got to get together sometime soon. It was a pleasure having you on here. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day. Thank you for having me. Hey, really thanks, Jeff. thanks for being here. I tell you what, you, you're like, I can tell, even though I've only met you through Zoom, that you're one of those guys I could sit down and probably talk with all night long. You, you know, uh, probably Thank tons you. of great stories and very interesting. And we certainly appreciate you, thanks for you know, adding us, yeah. some massive value to us and joining us today. So thank, well, thank you very much for having me. I'll come back anytime so, you like. Jeff, we'll make sure that we let people know how to get a copy of that book that you got coming out. Sure. And uh, I, I would like to pick up a copy as well. There you go. Persuade. Is it already available it for is. sale? Yep. It is available on Amazon. Boom. Uh, you can uh, you already bought it. Persuade didn't you? Jeff Cochran and this book will pop up. Uh, it's a value at twice the price. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. So everybody watching, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Contacts to Contracts podcast. On behalf of Jeff, Steve, John, I am Brian. If there's anything thanks, that you need, please know we're always here to serve.